0: Another episode of the ABC's Becoming a Highly Sought After Candidate. Today, I get to interview Samiksha Khanna. She has a background in finance and operations, working in tech companies over the last 20 years, and she's currently COO at Uber Flip. She is one of the founding members of the Big Push and also a founding member of Project Fabulous. She's worked internationally, focusing on designing and implementing business operations. Developing policies that promote company culture and vision and establishing go to market plans. Fun fact about Samiksha she loves to travel and has been since she was two and will continue doing so until she's 102. During the winter, you'll find her skiing, and when the weather is nice, you'll find her at a golf course honing in on her golfing skills. So, welcome, Samiksha. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. This is really great. I'm very excited about this. Awesome. Well, I was taking a look through your LinkedIn profile, and I've noticed you've done a tremendous job climbing the corporate ladder. And on top of that, you own your own side hustles. So I actually want to start with your leadership journey. And then we'll go into the side hustles shortly after. So understanding that you've held numerous uh, leadership roles. What are some of the core traits you've noticed that you have, and has helped you become successful?
1: You know, it's always the case was usually the simplest things make the biggest difference. And for me, it was really understanding how the business works and asking a lot of questions. And so, just you know what coming through the accounting background, like then working in finance departments, you get access to every all the information. You have invoices come through, you're paying things, so you get a good sense of what's happening in other departments. But you don't quite understand. What are their pain points? what are their actual metrics or like what 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 have they judged on for success, and what' are they actually doing so like you know what does engineering do? What does product management do because I you know, working in the tech companies, these are very um common departments so very early on in my in my career and I, it comes from working in as a waitress for a while and working in retail, you're just used to talking to people asking them questions, and that's what I did. I just started chatting with some of the you know engineers the developers project managers and just being like what do you do like how does this work and, and really getting myself into the details of the company and the culture so i can understand what's going on it wasn't just a job it was someplace that i'm spending the majority of my time i want to know more about it i want to understand what is it that's what's success to the company and how does that work its way down to the success in all the departments
0: And you've touched on something key there when you said, I want to understand what they're measured against so that I can understand like essentially how to help them be successful. Exactly. And part of what I've heard is a common thing amongst uh, successful leaders is understanding what makes people tick. So for Mm -hmm. yourself, how have you done uh, a good job at understanding what makes people tick? Well,
1: sometimes I think I do a good job of it. Sometimes I think I I miss the mark and I I think that's just part of working with other people. It's asking questions. It's, you know, what I do with my team and I I started doing this early on in my career because I had really great leaders who did this with me is every week, no matter what, I have one-on-one sessions with people who report to me with with the leaders. And I just chat with them and I try and use the whole time. I mean, obviously people get busy, but if we have half an hour sessions, and I chat with them, I ask them how things are going. I ask them what is it that I can do to help support them more. I ask them what is it that I can stop doing. I could, I really like the whole stop, start, continue piece. It makes it quite simple and it's easy enough to answer. And I, I've done that. So through those conversations, I get a better sense of what people, when they're getting frustrated with something where I can help and when they're getting frustrated with something and I just have to let them go through this themselves. And and, and I also say to them, like, make sure you ask me for help because I'm going to ask you, And if you say no, I'm going to believe you. So this isn't one of those conversations where I have to kind of ask you over and over again. Like, I'm just going to want to know. And you have to just be comfortable telling me up front whether something's working or not working.
0: And speaking of telling you what is working and what's not working, one of the biggest responsibilities leaders have is having difficult conversations and navigating conflict management instead of being conflict aversive and then letting shit go downhill. So for you... How have you developed this skill? You know, it's interesting
1: because I think I'm the opposite. I think I'm more conflict. Like I like, I'm fine with conflict. I think I'm probably probably too fine with conflict. So I had to pair it back and just get more authentic. And I have actually read books because sometimes I, when I was in that situation, I would ask the question, too directly or be too blunt and that just puts somebody back because they're not used to somebody coming right out and saying well I don't understand why you're not being more supportive so it's finding gentler words to get people to feel less um, defensive and, and reduce their barriers and I interesting again the most simplest things always works it's just really being authentic and just being vulnerable and I think when I started doing that and when I just started being open to people about listening like this is why this is What's it's causing me nervousness? It's causing me anxiety. It's causing people on the team. And, and I just wanna be able to get to the point where we can get beyond this and, and get to a get to some collaboration. And it's being open and saying, listen, like sometimes you come across this way. Or sometimes the decisions are like this. And I, I don't think anyone could fight back or argue back on your own personal feelings. But I think you could t- if you turn around to somebody and say, all we're trying to do is just get to a point where we can work together and collaborate together. Like, what are some ideas we can do to get to get to this point so you get rid of all the emotions and get rid of all the what he said, she said and you just focus on we're trying to work together like how, how do we how do we again get shit done and get to the point where we're accomplishing something together
0: that's amazing and when it comes to working together sometimes no matter how much effort you put in to be extremely collaborative with someone else for some reason they have that attitude of a snake or just it's a politics thing, right? Yeah. How have you really checked your emotions so that you can play the long game instead of just being like, "Ah," right? Like that kind of feel.
1: I am pretty comfortable calling people out and those and those traits too. Like I, you know, when you're having those difficult conversations and you're being vulnerable, I think that also means being upfront about, listen, like, I feel that you're playing politics with me. I feel like what's more important to you is looking good to your manager or looking good to your leader. And it's not really about us, you know, working close together, and I said to people like, "If that's what makes you happy, you go and do it." To me, it's just such a waste of time and energy when you're working for the same company and you're like you're against one another. Like it, you know, it does it doesn't make sense? And sometimes I found a lot of that in the finance department because finance created a lot of the rules, they create a lot of the policies. And it's reminding even people in finance and other departments that we're not working against one another. We, we may have contradictory um, policies or contradictions in what we're trying to achieve because, you know, let's just say sales is trying to sell everything and finance is trying to make sure that we don't, you know, we have, we don't discount too much. Like That's just a very simple example. So it's finding that way to come together and say, we got to support what you need to do, but you have to understand where I'm coming from and how those decisions impact the business
0: you make it sound so easy next it's time I <laughs> I, know,
1: and
0: I know it's not that easy but yeah, it, yeah. It, it, but you just need to keep having those conversations when you were touching on earlier hey like you know what uh at the end of the day like we're we're working for the same company trying to like honestly just help this company succeed uh through this process of rising in the ranks what is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome as you've progressed and how did you overcome that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my own challenges is always has to do with like confidence too, right? I mean, it's 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 getting to the point where you you're very comfortable in the role, you're very confident in the role, and then you're given more more responsibility, and then you become a bit nervous because here you are giving more responsibility, and you feel like you're going to fail. So what I've really done when I've done well at it is is creating a good network of people that I work with. Kind of going back to the earlier conversation about. Finding like there's always going to be people who are difficult and, and that's something that's very hard to, to you know, you're not going to be able to change that. But there's also some people who are just amazing and supportive. And the people who you look up to and that you know if you take on a challenge, you could be upfront with them and say, I'm a little bit nervous about taking on this more responsibility. And I find as much as there's rumors and gossip about women backstabbing other women, there's a lot of really great, amazing women who just support one another and who really want to see other people succeed. And it's working with those women and, and finding them in your organization. So when you do take on other challenges and when you do feel uncomfortable about the extra responsibility and worrying about your confidence, you have a group of people who are like, you got this, like I got you, I'll support you. And there's numerous examples I can give you where I've just had a group of fabulous people, both men and women, to support me through a transition or through more responsibility. And I am like, forever grateful to them because sp- that's what's made my career is having that is having that support
0: i'm glad you've built such a strong community around you because i am in the same boat as you where there's some incredible people out there that will just do anything to help you succeed and especially Mm -hmm. that confidence piece right like every single time you take on a more challenging role every time you start a new project right and it's something new uh, imposter syndrome might surface or you might uh, go through that state of mind where you dismiss how you're feeling you're like "Uh," but how have you gotten comfortable with that concept of the imposter syndrome well i
1: mean I, the best thing about it is hearing other people have it you know and it's funny though because i just did a a session on this a few months ago with some other women and and it, it goes across all rankings, all types of women—we all go through this. Whether you're early in your career, uh, starting off in your career, you go through this imposter syndrome, and a lot of it, you know, we can get into this. But a lot of it has to do with just women in general and how they're raised and what they're told as they're as they're pursuing their career. So you can't do anything about that because that's how people are raised. But when you get to the when you get to your career, it's it's a recognizing it's a valid feeling. And B, just doubling down and really having confidence in what you know. And you know you know things. And you have confidence in those things. And we all have the ability to learn, go through school, graduate, and get where we are. So that doesn't stop learning and going through a process of taking on challenges to get where we are when it comes to our career. But for some reason, we tell ourselves this is much harder than anything else we've done. Um, Because there's no grading and there's no um, teacher telling you, okay, you're doing really great. But you just have to have confidence in yourself that you got this far in your career by learning and taking on challenges. And that's the only way you're going to get further ahead in your career. And then all those things that you worried about as an imposter, you start getting confidence in and then the cycle repeats itself. You kind of move on, take on more work, and you go through a bit of this imposter syndrome again. Is at the point now where I, I go through my moments of having imposter syndrome, but I, I recognize it, I understand it, and then I focus on, okay, I'm going to break this down into small pieces of things that I know I can control and things that I know I know, and the rest of it, I'm either going to learn it or I'm going to ask for help or go to my network of people to be like, and support me in this area.
0: And one of the things I admire most about you is your ability to really lift others up, whether it's through the Big Push, Project Fabulous, and through your leadership role. I'm curious, how do you ensure that inclusion and diversity is at the forefront of your mind and uh, really continue to lift others up in that sense? If
1: I'm on Zoom calls, and I, I actually just did a couple of days ago, if I'm on Zoom calls, and wait waiting for everybody to, to, you know, join the Zoom call. I'll just start talking to people because, again, like, when you grow up working in customer service and retail, you talk to anyone. Small talk is, is not a problem. And I also make sure when I'm in the meetings in person or whether it's on Zoom, that I, because I, I, a lot of us individuals, and I find especially women, don't like to speak up and say things in meetings. And other times I find people just introverted. So it's not like they don't have something to say, but they are introverted and they really, they're, they're not the ones who, they're not the first ones to put their hand up to say something. So I think it's upon leaders, and I actually think it's about upon anybody who actually is running a meeting to make sure that they're in the room they're going around and, and giving everyone a chance to say something, asking them and, and calling out their name, just not saying, oh, you know, does anybody have any questions? It's like looking at the person and saying, did you have any questions? Does that make sense to you? Do you have anything to add? And if they say no, that's fine. But making sure that they get a chance to a, be heard and also be seen. Mm. And gives, because gives, they may not say something in that meeting, but they may walk away knowing that, listen, like, the next meeting I'm in, like, she may ask me a question. So I have to, maybe I can contribute. Or if I have a question, I know, I'm going to wait. I know she's going to bring it up. So I'm, I'm prepared for, for this now. So that's the way I feel that I can help with the whole diversity and inclusion is really on the inclusion piece.
0: I really appreciate how you just say, Hey, like, did you have anything to add instead of just like abruptly putting them on the spot? And just- and being like, Hey, like, you know, I never hear you speak up. So I'd love to hear you share something, right? Like yeah, that's, that's yeah.
1: Different. And it's the words you use, right? Cause if you say, Hey, do you have any questions? The answer is going to be no, but it's like, does everything even if you need to say? Does that all make sense? Is there anything that you think that we might've missed? Like giving them the benefit of the doubt that they have something to add does make a
0: difference. Fair enough. And um, I want to touch on your leadership mantra because in our past conversation, you said your mantra is lead, follow, get out of the way. So yeah. what this actually mean and how did you develop this mantra?
1: Yeah, so as Lee followed, get out of the way. And I, I have to admit full disclosure, I stole it from somebody else and another one of my managers, and it was one of his mottos. And I'm like, this this really makes a lot of sense to me. And it's something that I really picked up when I first started becoming a leader because you're, you know, when you're in a leadership role, you feel like you need to manage and lead everything because you're the leader and you get to know everything. And that adds to the imposter syndrome because you don't know everything and you're not in the details as much as other people are on your team. So it got to this point where depending on what was happening in the situation, I'm like, this is something I can follow. Like this person knows they're a subject matter expert on this particular tool. I don't need to be the subject matter expert. I'm just going to follow them through. And if they tell me something. I have enough faith that this is what, what's going on. In other cases, it's just getting out of the way. Like if someone just wants to get Working on a project and they don't need help. The last thing they want is a leader getting the notes in it and asking all these questions and asking like what's going on. Like for me, it's like I'm just gonna wait for you to tell me the status reports if everything's going smoothly. I don't I don't need to get in your way. And then the other times when you lead, like you know, if for me um, results matter, accountability matters, getting shit done matters. And if I feel that's not happening and I'm having the same kind of status updates every single week, then it's a matter of leading. And, and it's tough because sometimes that means you have to sit back and watch people make mistakes or do things, quote unquote, the wrong way because they have to go through it too. And that's the whole, just get out of the way. Like let them go through this process Sometimes the biggest learning lessons are for people to learn it themselves was being told. And sometimes it's people need to problem solve themselves and people need to figure out, okay, I'm, ha- I'm having a real difficult time working with this person. and may be a different person that I'm having a difficult time with, and but they need to go through some of that to some extent. And then I can manage how involved I need to be to, again, like get shit done and be able to achieve what we need to achieve.
0: I hear on that piece. And when it yeah. comes to getting shit done, part of it is being good at managing your stress. Yes. What are some systems that you've kind of put into place for yourself so that you can not only manage your time well, manage your energy well, and manage your stress? That's true. Like managing my time, I've I've been pretty good at that. Like i right from very early
1: age, I was always one of those people who had the checklist and then my times, and I live and die by my by my Google Calendar. Like if it's not on my calendar, I don't get things done, and I'll break things down to half an hour chunks too. So managing my time, I'm pretty good at. The stress piece, you know again, it's it's just through advice from people. I remember what at one point someone basically said to me, you know, we're not saving lives here. We're, We're working in tech, we're working on software. We're not, no one's gonna die. No one's gonna like, you know, there's nothing terrible that's gonna happen. You're gonna make a mistake, there's a lot going on. When you put things in that perspective, you're like, at the end of the day, like no one's going to die. We're not saving lives. So it kind of helps manage the stress. And then I go back to my calendar and say, okay, I have like 20 things to, 20 different things to do. I'll put them down and I prioritize them. Most of the time, my priorities are people asking me questions from my team. So why are people asking me questions and wanting to get Get information from me what stresses me out is if i feel like i'm the bottleneck and i'm holding people back so i always put that first so i always want to make sure that i allow people around me to be productive and they're not waiting on submission to answer this question usually it's a simple enough question and then i take some time and sometimes you know i work late sometimes i'm working and you know, i'll do my work in the evening so i'll do my work late later on because it's my own work that i can do in my own time and i don't need to worry about someone else um at, you know, asking me questions and relying on me to get back to them and I, then I have a work-life balance. So like if it's some weeks and I'm working a lot, then I, then I know, listen, the, the following Friday, I'm going to leave at two o'clock and go, go golfing. You know, I, I'm going to balance that out. And I don't, I still feel guilty, but I don't feel guilty because I know that over time, it is a balance. It's not a nine to five. It's some days you're just working longer than other days.
0: And that is such a great model to your team members too, that like, Hey, like, you know what, like take that time when you need it. When, when it's crunch time, you perform other than that, take the foot off the gas pedal because you need it to kind of recharge and prep for the next phase. Right. Yeah. And I tell the to people like, make sure you have a
1: well-balanced life and balance doesn't mean every day, but balance means over the time period that you think it is.
0: You need to have a well-balanced life. And I guess for you, since you've held so many leadership roles, what is one piece of advice you'd give for aspiring leaders? You know,
1: I would suggest the same things that I do early on in my career. Just again, ask a lot of questions, get an understanding of how businesses work, you know, knowing when to get involved. And the biggest thing that people kind of forget, if you want to be an aspiring leader, help other people become successful. I think a lot of people, when they talk about leadership, they talk about how they are going to lead people and about you know, communication and and, and support, you know, and managing people, quote unquote. You know, making people successful in the company that you work with and, and your coworkers and the people around you. Leadership doesn't mean like, okay, now I'm I'm, I'm managing people. I, I need to be a good manager. It's like you just it, it's a continuation of making people successful around you. And the whole notion of well, that's not my problem, and that's not my department, and I swim in my own lane. I get that to some extent, but at the same time, if you're that individual who has collaborate with other people, understood some of the pain points, and you can go out of your way to help them become successful. You just reach out to them and say, you know, you had a tough, you know, you had a tough week. I heard, I heard about this. I heard we missed our, you know, deadline for, you know, our product roadmap or whatever. Um, it's reaching out to them and being like, that's got to be tough. Like, you know, anything I can do to help support you or, you know, like, again, make people around you be successful. And I think that's one of the core pieces of leadership that people forget.
0: Good to know. And, I wanted to now switch gears and and touch on the theme of my podcast in terms of like how authenticity, branding, connecting allows an individual to be a highly sought after candidate. So based on what you've known in um, candidates that you've interviewed, individuals that you've led or individuals that have risen through the organizations that you've been in, or even the business owners that you've helped uh, in the last couple of uh, months here with Big Push and uh, Fuel the Vision. What's the common theme between these really highly sought after individuals that you've noticed? And they get shit
1: done. They're the type of people who come in and they just, they have a clear vision of what they want to achieve. And they may not have a clear vision of how they're going to do it, but they know what they want to be able to achieve. Past experience of, you know, we had this issue and then this is what I did. I got, I got, got my hands dirty, rolled up my sleeve. Like I just, I got into the trenches and I helped move this project along or I helped support this team. Like those are the things I want to see when it comes to candidates. It's not just, okay, it's all about me and what I've done. It's again how have I worked collectively in teams, and, because no one person does everything. Like, right? regardless of what you say, your resume is, is, is a portion of what you've done with the with a team of people. So those are the those when I talk to those candidates, and you just know, like you know, when you talk to somebody, they're being authentic. They're not using a bunch of like, you know, resume building words, and they could talk you through, well, let me talk you through how I did this and who I spoke with. And they're not trying to make it seem about everything they did. They, they will recognize that I worked with these other individuals or we got this done, done together. And those are the things that you'll, then when you, when you talk to them, you're like, that's somebody I want on my team too. because I want someone who's able to work with other people. I want someone who's able to achieve with a diverse background, um, with working with a diverse background of people.
0: And speaking of working with a diverse background of people, we're going to switch gears a little bit again. And I want to talk about your side hustles as a COO. I I would imagine that your time is limited outside of your not nine to five that you work. Um, How did Big Push and Feel the Vision get started? And what is one of the biggest challenges that you've had to face as you guys get uh, these two uh, side hustles going? Yeah.
1: So the big push was started by um, Sharon and she reached out to a few of us women on LinkedIn and she wanted to start, what I love the idea, it's a collective of women that help other women entrepreneurs go from seed to series A. So it's really being able to um, provide them not just advice, but what we call it sweat equity. So if you were an entrepreneur and you were just starting off your business and we had had, had some criteria in place in terms of like what, what your business had to be and all you just needed was help in marketing. You needed help with financing. You needed help with just presenting yourself in front of uh, uh, VCs. We were the ones who actually went through and, and helped you build like a financial plan, help you build your marketing plan. We didn't just meet you for coffee and chat with you. We were actually coaching and helping you get through that. And that was, it was a huge success. It was, it was just a great feeling because a lot of women would come to us and uh, they would pitch their business ideas. And most of the women, pretty much all of them, at the end of the pitch, they will they will say, "I've never felt so comfortable talking about my business to other people because usually in the past I'm talking to VCs, they, they make me feel uncomfortable. They don't look like how I look. They don't understand, especially if you're a, a woman entrepreneur who is doing something that has to do with like women technology, whether you know it's 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 you know life sciences or whatever that has, that involves um, women." you're talking to a group of men who have absolutely no idea what, what you're talking about. So they really, loved the, they really loved being in the room with us and be able to feel less guarded and just be, be authentic. One of the challenges we're having with it right now is we've modified the program. Uh, we got some funding from TD and then it's become, we, we launched this thing called Road to Success, which is to have the entrepreneurial women come into like a classroom style setting and talk to other business owners and get a sense of, how do you run your HR department? How do you run your sales department? And it's supposed to be in, in office, like classroom style. Obviously with everything happening with COVID, that's been, that's been on hold right now, but that's, that's hopefully go back to what we wanted to be in terms of that road to success idea and be able to have a room of like 30-ish entrepreneurs coming in and learning about it. And then the other one was Fuel division, And Fuel division came out a little bit of some are the conversations that I have with some of the women in the big push, And it actually came a lot from, and it's in the introduction when on the website of Field Vision, you know, you hear from the show Soundbooks of the World, from the Kamala Harris's, you hear all these great stories about women who are already successful and already household names. But we have like our everyday heroes that we work with. We have a bunch of women that we work with all the time who have some really great insights and really great advice. And I just think that it's important for us to just, promote those women and promote those ideas and also have women be a little bit honest and raw about themselves and be able to say, listen, like I doubted myself too, or I had imposter syndrome too, because people project like success has just been so easy for other people. And yet I've had these like ups and downs and roller coasters, but the reality is everyone who is, you know, in my opinion, everyone has those roller coasters, but we just need to be able to feel comfortable talking about them to
0: help motivate and support other people in that role. As you touch on that roller coaster piece, the first thing that comes to mind is you develop grit as you go through those roller coasters. Yes, you do. So what has allowed you to develop the grit and and not just throw it in the towel and be like, you know what? It's, it's easier to just not move forward at this point. That's
1: true. I think it goes back to what I said earlier about really feeling like you're part of the company and part of the culture. You know, you're being on and, and playing like I so I played on like I played ice hockey earlier on in my in my career a lifetime ago and you're part of a team and if you know it's no different like you're if you're if you're playing in a sport and you're losing badly, you know you're losing And we've all been there where you've just like oh my god there's no way we're ever gonna win this you don't just like pack up your bags and go home you you kind of at one point just have to laugh at it or just get upset about cry about you just either which way you know this isn't going to be successful but you're part of this team and once the once the, the off the ice You're still part of this team and you're still with them together. And I feel that way when it comes, if I get myself on a great team with a great company and I really feel the culture and really feel for the people that I work with, I think that helps the grid. I think that helps get you through it because you know, everybody else is going to be there for you and help support you because you're working with a great team of people and you don't want to let them down.
0: Fair enough. And as we slowly wrap up our conversation, one more question that came to mind is, How did you develop self-awareness as you you navigated your career? Because I find that that is the one thing that's not taught in school, but is essential, right? To understanding your DNA, what makes you tick. So yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think always
1: having a little bit of of, uh, self-confidence helps with self-awareness because you always like ask, you, 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 you don't want to be completely like, you know, have no confidence in yourself, but you also want to just feel like, you're not perfect. You're not doing everything perfect. And that goes back a little bit to my mother, my mother, love my mother. She's an amazing woman, but she's always been the one to tell me like, you know, she's always been very honest and open with me no matter what. And I try and do that with my teams too. When I'm in the meetings and having open, honest conversations with them. And it goes back to when I have my one-on-ones with them and I ask them questions like, you know, what is it I can do to help, to help you more? Like, do you feel like you need more support? And, you know, sometimes I've had some really honest feedback and so- We always think of ourselves as being much worse than we actually really are in some cases. And I remember one time I was in a meeting and it was a bit of a difficult situation. with a couple of difficult people in the room. And I know somebody, one of the, um, the ladies on my team was trying to get something done. And I pretty much just like jumped in to basically say like, this is how it's going to happen because there was just too many conversations happening and we weren't really focusing on the problem. And then afterwards I was meeting with her and I was feeling really bad. I was like, listen, I kind of jumped all over your meeting. I just, I just wanted to get this done because I just got a stalemate. And she was actually surprisingly really fine with it she's like listen sometimes I know I want to own this and run this but I really appreciate you coming in and saying something because I had a really difficult time with this person in the past trying to get him to understand my situation so you really helped and
0: I think it's just again asking questions and asking for feedback amazing understanding you have a lot going on in your life what is one thing you're most excited about over the next couple of months and what is the best way for people to stay connected to you So what I'm most excited about
1: is, I really like what we're doing with Fuel Division. I really like the interviews we're doing. And eventually what we wanna be able to do is hold, like maybe have like an in-person like um, conference, and not a big conference, but be able to bring some of those women together and talk a bit more about about the great advice we've gotten we also want to be able to eventually do a a a podcast on it possibly and just meet some of these women in person like I haven't met a lot of them in person like to network with and just have like a dinner with but just we be, haven't been able to obviously do the COVID so that's what I'm looking forward to and in terms of connecting with me I'm on LinkedIn I'm, I'm a probably big time LinkedIn user I try and post often so definitely be able to reach out to me on LinkedIn
0: I think it's amazing the platform that you're striving to create with again feel the vision and with the big push I'll make sure I link all that in our podcast uh, description So thank you so much again for joining me here today, um, Smiksha. And thank you so much to everyone else for tuning in. If you haven't already done so, I recommend connecting with uh, Smiksha. And uh, till next time, stay safe.